0: percent of millennial Christians agree, I want you to hear this, at least somewhat, that it is wrong to share one's personal beliefs with someone of a different faith, in hopes that they will one day wow. share the same faith. Here's what this means. Nearly half a generation of believers on planet Earth today, I'm not talking about the Dark Ages, I'm not talking about 8400. I'm talking about people who are still alive and well today on planet Earth, who identify as Christians, believe that it is wrong to share your faith with somebody, wow. or tell them about Jesus in the hopes that they will also come to believe in Jesus and follow Him. Unlike, here's the good news though, unlike millennials, we're all the Gen Z. I make some noise if you're Gen Z. Yeah. Here's the good news. You guys are starting to flip the script, and this encourages my heart. Yeah. Gen Z rarely associates negative emotions with faith sharing. This is the same group that did the research on the millennials. 82% of Christians between the ages of 13 to 18 say that it is important to share their faith. Praise God for that. So Andy Byrd from YWAM, Mutual of the Mission, says this. This is an activist generation. Heaven's narrative over a generation is truly to be an activist. There are enough statistics to show that Gen Z could easily be the most missional and evangelistically inclined, inclined generation My. in history. But all of Gen Z, here's the important thing, whether they're Christian or not, is currently wired activists. You see it everywhere. They're looking for something to activate towards, and they're looking for a cause. I look at Gen Z and go, these guys are action-oriented activists that want change now, and they want a cause worth living for, a cause worth dying for. I believe that we are absolutely postured for one of the greatest waves of Jesus the evangelist oh, rising in the nations again and Jesus the missionary arising. I believe this generation is pre wired to tap into that heart in Jesus as the evangelist and the missionary to both see the 3.2 billion people around the world who are still waiting for the gospel reached, but also to believe for the re evangelization of our own nation. In other words, one of the directors of the largest missions agencies in the world says that when he's looked at this sea of people called Gen Z, he says, I see a mission-oriented, activist, evangelistic-oriented generation that could be the most missional evangelistic generation in human history. What if all those people in 2020 crowding the streets for all the different secular narratives all of a sudden got filled with the Jesus DNA and started filling the streets with the gospel? Can you just imagine. In a second, God can do it. He did it in the Jesus yeah. People movement. Yeah. If you're not familiar that tail into the 1960s into the early 1970s, it was the rise of the hippie movement Woodstock, sex, drugs, sexual revolution, rock and roll. You guys think you're radical. It was actually way worse in the 1960s. Mm. And all of a sudden, in an instant, these people who were doing hardcore psychedelic drugs, hanging out at Woodstock, sexual revolution, got saved and started walking to churches with long mm. hair and no shoes. And churches didn't know what to do And them. There was such a sea of like, hundreds of thousands of people wow. in that generation that started wow. getting saved. Wow. And they were bold. Bull, bull, bull. Right out here one time, one of the Gideons, you know those guys who came out the little tiny Bibles? Yeah. He was telling me that he was a part of the Jesus movement. That's what oh, it was called, 1970s. Wow. It sounds like, tell me stories. Right. I want to hear it. He was like, we were so filled with evangelistic zeal. Wow. There was like a, a phone that would ring. This is before the age of uh, cell phones that would ring on our dorm hallway, and we realized nobody would ever answer it. So me and a couple of my like Jesus friends we would just sit by the phone. We would answer, and as soon as they would answer the phone, like somebody would pick up the phone, we would just share the gospel with them. Okay, he said here. that they would find ways to be on top of buildings. So imagine that you're like out there on top of COE and shout down the gospel wow. to people. Like they were, they were standing up. And they, were out, they were singing songs around tables and cafeterias, like gospel songs and hymns, and worshiping. Wow. No place wow. on campus was safe from the gospel. Okay. Okay. you get right? You it right? right? No more safe. Domesticated Christianity, right? Oh my God. So while statistics and uh, recognizing trends in the generation is helpful, I realize that not everybody fits neatly within defined categories, right? So there may be people in this room who may be part of this Gen Z activist-oriented generation, but like in your head, you're like, I feel more like that 47% who honestly. I'm not sure how I feel. I feel conflicted about sharing my faith and whether it's even right to tell people about Jesus in hopes that they will one day share the same beliefs I have. Mm-hmm. Maybe it sounds like this in your head. You wouldn't go so far as saying that evangelism is wrong. But you're like, Religion is kind of a personal thing. We should respect other people's beliefs, and one day we're all going to end up in the same place anyways. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to ask you to like, raise your hand and identify where you're at, but tonight I'm going to come after that. I'm just telling you on the front end, I'm going to come after that because I do not believe that is a biblical conviction. And I do not believe that is the heart of Jesus who left the comfort of heaven to travel who knows how many eons to come down and be born as a baby. Mm -hmm. And then say that I have come to seek and save the lost. Who was scorned by the religious community because he was sitting around a table with sinners calling them to repentance. Not taking on their lifestyle. (laughs) But he said, man, I have come not to call those who think they're righteous. But know that they are sinners and need to repent. The heart of Jesus the evangelist and Jesus the missionary bleeds on every page of the gospel. What is he doing? He's constantly, one time he was in the city, all the miracles are breaking out. He's preaching the good news to the poor. And they're like, will you stay there? He goes, no, I must keep going to other towns. This is why I have come. I want you to get filled with that missionary, Jesus the evangelist DNA and realize that you might think you're here to get a job. one day earn a comfortable salary so that the highest goal of your life can be to live Mm. the American dream. But I want to tell you, if you're in Christ, God has a different plan. That might be part of what he's going to do, but ultimately you are here to be a light shining in a dark place and to tell people who are headed towards hell, yes, I did say that, that they need Jesus. I remember one time uh, I went and preached on evangelism recently at UAB in Birmingham and as I was driving down, the road, brought back this memory, the first time I ever shared the gospel. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's funny, the other day I was talking with Regan, and Regan actually has a memory of the first time he ever drank a Gatorade, right? Uh, Orange yeah. Gatorade. And he just told me that the other day. I was like, bro, that's a weird memory. Like that. <laughs> that's like saying I remember the first time I had a Pop-Tart. Like, how you?" Many- <laughs> it's very sentimental. If you'd like to hear the story, you can ask him after service. <laughs> but... I'm driving down, and I was four or five years old. My sister's four years older than me. We were sitting at one of those little Fisher-Price uh, plastic picnic tables, and her friend says that she doesn't believe in Jesus. And guys, I didn't have like some well-thought-out articulation of the gospel. I just knew this is the first person I've ever met who I've heard say out loud they don't believe in God. And my heart was just so sad. It was instantly like, oh my gosh, she's going to hell. And so, and I was a very, very introverted, shy look. kid. But all of a sudden, that moment, my personality type didn't matter because there was a person sitting like six feet from me who, if they didn't confess faith in Christ, was going to suffer eternally, separated from God. So, as this little four-year-old, I just started saying, "You have to believe in Jesus." Like, like, don't you know if you don't believe, you're going to hell? I just kept hounding her, and my parents tell me the story that, like, I guess by the end, probably just to get me off her back, she's like, "Okay, oh, yeah, I believe. I believe." <laughs> that was a true confession of faith. I've thought about that story many times as I was driving down to Birmingham. The Lord was like, isn't it so sweet you have that memory? Wow. Do you remember the first grace. time you shared the gospel? I'm like, probably the grace of my life, so I'm an evangelist. And it's like, isn't it sweet that I've allowed you to remember the first time you told something <laughs> about Jesus? Wow. I, like, I don't even think I was authentically saved for like another 10 years.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but
0: I, I want you to know that if you're in Christ, that DNA is inside of you. Yeah. And I want to ask you, have you had the revelation I had as... You know undeveloped as it was Jesus said you have to become like children have you had just the raw revelation that many of the people walk into class with you statistics would say about 95 percent of them are like that girl sitting across from me at that picnic table has that gripped your heart yet and you have the solution you have the cure you have the antidote has that revelation hit your heart yet has the revelation, has the revelation that 19 out of 20 students on this campus Most likely, it's a rough estimate. Do not have a relationship with Jesus? And if something doesn't change, they're headed to an eternity apart from God's presence. Mm. Has that revelation hit your heart yet? Mm. Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 4. I want to say this while I'm getting there myself. Sometimes we like, especially when you're passionate and you're intense, like, like I am, Somebody brings up something that's, like, not a strong area in your life. So somebody gets up here and they talk about prayer, for example, and you're like, oh, man, I don't really have a prayer life. And you receive it in guilt. I don't want that to happen for you tonight, and that's not what the Holy Spirit does. So I want you to know that, like, this is not a call of, like, man, I'm really, like, I'm not doing this well. I haven't shared the gospel that I'm supposed to. It's more of, like, an awakening. It's, like, a reminder of this is part of who you're called to be in Christ, and this is part of your responsibility to this generation Keith Green, who was one of the main worship leaders of the Jesus People Movement, said this generation of Christians is responsible for this generation of souls. You're a part of this generation, therefore, it's not like we can't hand it off to somebody else. It's this generation that's responsible for this generation of souls. It's that Spider-Man quote, man, with great, uh, great power comes great responsibility, right? So what I, what I don't want you to hear tonight is guilt. Do this better. Do more. Right. Exhaust yourself. I want you to hear, man, wake up to the greatest calling. Part of, mm-hmm. the, like the baton of previous generations, you'll run before you putting your hands, saying run hard and run as fast mm-hmm. as you can. There's so much at stake, right? And know that the wind of the Holy Spirit is at your back the whole way to help you. In that. Mm-hmm. Amen? And if you don't earn any brownie points with God. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs>
0: man, if you've never shared the gospel with one person, God loves you so much. The Bible actually says he loves you. The Father loves you even as he loves Jesus.
1: Mm, wow.
0: Wow. So you're not going to like get more love than that. Right? Like, so you're not evangelizing to get God to like you. He's already crazy about yeah. it.
1: Right. But of right. the revelation
0: of how much he loves God. you and what he did for you through Jesus Christ is going to awaken something in you that wants to tell people about Jesus. Wow. So we're not doing it because our arm is twisted and it's like a social pressure, but it's a it's our joy. It's yeah. our joy and our responsibility. But it's a joyful responsibility to get to tell people about Jesus mm-hmm. in light of all that he's done, in light of who he is, and ultimately in light of eternity, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, Acts chapter 4, starting verse 1. says, The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. And they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. N.T. Wright once said this, I love this. He says, The gospel is not good advice. The gospel is good news. Mm. It is the proclamation of an event mm. that has happened in human history as a result of which everything has changed. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Other religions, guru comes down the mountain, using the language guru, prophet, whoever comes down the mountain, and they've got some special revelation about how you're supposed to climb the ladder to get closer to God. Mm. We proclaim Jesus Christ, born of the Virgin, who lived a perfect, yeah. sinless, spotless life, yeah. died on the cross. I love Seth. I don't think Seth's here tonight. Yeah. Seth's like a history guide, it has a memory that's just ridiculous. But I, it's just stuck in me. He says, even atheist uh, scholars say that an indisputable fact of human history is Jesus Christ of Nazareth died through crucifixion. Mm. Mm. We say. Wow. It's, it's not just the Christian gospel records, but it's Jewish authors, it's, yeah. it's, it's Romans who say, man, Jesus died through crucifixion. Right. Mm, yeah. wow. So we're saying that that has happened in human history. Jesus has died through crucifixion, and he has risen from the dead. Wow. And these men were standing there as eyewitnesses. Not saying we've seen a spirit, not saying we've seen a ghost. We're saying Jesus is back, y'all. Yeah. Jesus is back yeah. from the dead. Yeah. He has a body, yeah. and it still bears the nail scars. But it's eternal, it's resurrected, it's full of glory, he's eating fish, we've touched the stars. Jesus is alive. That's what we proclaim. So when people come up to me and say, there's a thousand different religions, how could you even know which one to start with? I say start with the resurrection, you'll figure out all you need to know. Because if the resurrection is true, then Muhammad is not. If the resurrection is true, Then the 12 doers of Sikhism are wrong. If the resurrection happened, then Krishna can't tell you anything about reality. Yeah, that's it. If the resurrection is true, then God is knowable because he has revealed himself through his son, Jesus Christ. And you can forsake agnosticism and you can get behind Jesus and make him more of your life. Trust him for your salvation. Yes. If the resurrection is not true, Paul himself, who saw the resurrected Lord, said that we're the most to be pitied of all men. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And we're still dead in our sins, and the whole thing is a farce. I'm paraphrasing, wow. obviously. But basically, 1 Corinthians 15, you can read it for yourself. If Jesus has not risen from the dead, Christianity is of no use, is what Paul says. Yeah. Yeah. The guy who wrote a third of the New Testament said, it's a zero-sum game. You want to ask me what would... Uh, Take me over the edge or what would make me forsake Christianity. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, yeah. then all we have is another good book telling us how to be good people. But how many of you know it's not your goodness that yes, right. it's doing yes. wow. it's, so it's Jesus, right? So yeah. we proclaim wow. an event that's happened in human history as a result of which everything has changed. And this is the boldness and the confidence with which the early church preached Jesus. That's nice. Why? Because they had seen him. They didn't say, Regan has seen him mm. and... Patrick told me that he saw him. Who told me that Walt said that he saw him. They said, we are eyewitnesses. Yeah. We have seen yeah. Jesus. And some of those same ones would go on to have their heads cut off, yeah. be crucified upside down. Oh. Paul said, cat my tails five different times on my back. So left for dead, imprisoned time without count, shipwrecked two different times, I think it was. And he's saying, man, all of this useless. Yeah. Oh, come on. If Jesus has not risen from the dead, yet they kept going all the way to their death, and they're saying, We have seen him, he's risen. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, so
1: good.
0: So good. And the powers were not happy with this proclamation, right? right. They're disturbed that people are talking about this resurrection from the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was (laughs) evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believe grew to about 5,000.
1: Wow, wow, that's so good. This is
0: in like a very short span of the church's <laughs> beginning. Wow. If, if you try to disprove the resurrection, you also have to overthrow, this is one thing that Hensky Wright shows, the origins of the Christian faith, right? One, Christianity was not a new religion. Jesus didn't come to try to like start some new religion. He was the Jewish Messiah. He was a fulfillment of the law and prophets. Yeah. He was the one who was... Uh, as we did the the whole timeline from Genesis to Revelation, he's the one who's been told about all along, and all of his earliest followers were Messianic Jews. And so there's this continuation, and it's a resurrection proclamation religion. Mm -hmm. Again, they're pointing back to an event. They're not just saying, we have new ideas, we have new advice. No, they're saying, we have an event that's changed everything. It's opened the door. Mm -hmm. So you have to explain the origins of a religion that started with a resurrection proclamation Mm -hmm. And how it was exploding at the seams, starting in Jerusalem where the events took place. And then went to much of the known world in the same century. The next day the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Anas, the high priest, was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them Mm -hmm. and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? So if you don't know what's taking place, they just healed uh, a lame beggar, and everybody's praising God because of it. And the evidence is undeniable. The guy's right there standing there, are healed, and they want to know, how have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who is lame, mm-hmm. and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Yeah. Who you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, mm-hmm. and yeah. this man stands before you healed. Right. Mm-hmm. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, oh, which has become the cornerstone. Mm-hmm. Verse 12. Salvation is found in no one else, yeah. for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Yeah. Much of our evangelistic motivation is contained in this verse. Salvation is found in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. That sounds narrow in this generation. In a generation that defines love as tolerance, that no matter what you believe, whether it wow. corresponds to reality or not, you just have to affirm it. Right. This sounds bigoted. But if we care about ultimate reality, and we care about people being saved out of their sin, out of the deception of the very evil one who roams around like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. And the most loving thing we can do is share Christ with them. Right. Apart from saving faith in Jesus Christ, all men will perish eternally. That is the witness of the scriptures. Yeah. It is not picked 15 different doors, and no matter which one you go through, you enter in the throne room. It's not, you know, Sal believes that he's going to stand before this version of God. And I believe that I'm just going to appear before the universe and you believe that you're going to appear before a pantheon of God. On,
1: yeah. One throne room. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: And one door into that room, the man Jesus Christ, yeah. is the only way, is the witness of Scripture. Now, if that's hard for you, I, I want to, like, like, on what basis are you saved? If as a believer in Jesus, that is a hard pill for you to swallow. Here, here's what happens. A lot of times people grow up in a Christian household, they go to college, they meet a nice Muslim, they meet a nice Hindu, international student, and they think, oh man, everything I believe about other religions must be wrong because I met a nice person who follows other religion." Can I uncover your underlying worldview? You believe that nice people go to heaven. Oh, wait, wait, wait. That's whoa. not the gospel. Damn. You believe that because you met a nice person with a different religion, that now all of a sudden your assumption yeah. is that they, God surely will let them in based on oh, their niceness. Oh, man, come wow. on. I, I'm preaching hard because I care about what's so on the line good. in your life yeah. and in their life. Yeah. Yeah. I want to ask you a very serious question. Have you assumed that you're also going to have a life standing with God on the same basis? Wow, wow that's good. If that's the case, then the death of Jesus through crucifixion, was utterly unnecessary and totally cruel of the Father. (laughs) And the cross is how you get saved, but I get saved through being a nice person. And I get saved through my very best attempt to maintain perfect adherence to all that Allah handed down through Muhammad. Then Jesus' death on the cross was yeah. cruel and That's unnecessary. Right, because not once, but three different times in the garden, he knelt with sweat so thick it fell like blood. Yeah. 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 All by himself, with no disciples around him, because they all fell asleep, yeah. and said, Father, if it's possible, yeah. let this bitter cup of suffering pass from me, yet not my will, your will be done. Not once, he prayed it three times. Um, How many of y'all know that Jesus took that cup and he drank it to the dregs, yeah. As he carried his own cross, was mocked, spit on. Isaiah fifty-two fourteen says that his face was so marked, so bloody, so beaten, so swollen, he didn't even look like a man. And he went to that cross, and he gave up his spirit. He breathed his last. And I want to tell you, if there are multiple ways to God, that was so cruel and so unnecessary. Come
1: on, Tyler.
0: But he went to that cross. And salvation is found in no other name. And nobody gets to heaven because they're good. Romans 3.23 says that all have fallen short of the glory of God. And that even our righteous deeds are like filthy rags. Stained by sin. Wow. But we get to be treated like Jesus deserves. We get to... That when I say God loves you even as he loves Jesus. The Father loves you even as he loves Jesus. It's because Jesus... Gives you his perfect righteousness by taking the punishment you deserved on the cross. I want to tell you, there is one way. One way. Through the man Jesus Christ.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: In proclaiming or sharing the gospel, we are proclaiming and sharing Christ. The gospel is literally Jesus in words. What do you call Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? The Gospels, they tell the full story of Jesus. Gospels, the good news. Jesus went around saying, Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Do you ever realize all of a sudden there's this transition when the apostles start preaching the gospel? they like, Repent and trust in Jesus. The transition is the fulfillment of the kingdom one and the same message. Mm-hmm. Wow. When you're sharing the gospel, here's a little bit of gospel proclamation advice. You can do this in conversation. What you're trying to get across. Three things. One, the reality of God. RDS me? Time am not going to do like an hour and a half on this like I do with God The reality of God. And I say the reality of God, not the philosophy of God, not ideas about God, not my best opinions about God. We proclaim to you the reality of God. There is one true God. He is super heart. <coughs> he is holy. He is distinct. He is trinity. He loves you. He is for you. He wants relationship with you. He is your maker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Number two, the true condition of humanity. I know we say it this way. Our gadgets have changed. Our wardrobes have changed. Our modes of transportation have changed. The human condition has not changed.
1: That's bad.
0: You can preach the gospel to rich people, poor people, male, female, indigenous, civilized. And the condition of humanity is that we are fallen, broken, Mm. sinful people in need of redemption. And that answer comes through one man, Jesus Christ. That's number three. God's answer to the true condition of humanity through Jesus Christ. There's more to the gospel, there's social implications to the gospel, there's more depth we can go into but evangelistically bringing people to the kingdom. the reality of God, one true holy God. Yeah. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, separate distinct. There's that which is God, there's everything else that's not God.
1: Yeah.
0: He is self-existent, He is self-sustaining, He is eternal from forever. That which occupies the category of God and everything else in creation, they're separate. Right? So when the Hindu person tells me, hey, namaste, like I, I respect the peace of God in you, and the peace of God in that tree, and the peace of God in that grass, I say, no, you don't understand fundamentally what the word God means. Yeah, yeah. It oh, means yes. uncreated. It means mm-hmm. he has no beginning and no end, wow. uh, and therefore there's God, and there's everything that's not God. Oh. And because of sin, we are separated from God and from his holiness, but God loved us, yeah. and God sent his son to die for us so the answer in Jesus Christ.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So the name of Jesus Christ is the thrust of our message we don't speak in ambiguous terms. We don't dance around the issues. Because mm-hmm. once you're God, again, we've been alienated from Him on account of our sins. God sent His Son to atone for our sins through the death on the cross. He vindicated Him by raising Him from the dead. And we must choose to place our faith in Him alone, which means swearing off every other option, right? Yeah. Verse, uh, Skipping down verse 13, it says, When they saw the courage of Peter and John, who realized mm-hmm. that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. Wow. And took note that these men had been with Jesus. Some translations say when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. The word used for boldness in the original language actually means freedom in speaking and unreservedness in speech. It was something they spoke. It It was unreservedness in speech. They were unashamed and unreserved in telling people about Jesus. They're standing in front of the religious leaders of their day. Some of the most schooled and educated people from the time of their youth. Mm -hmm. And they're not like thrown back on their heels. Like we know what we're saying is true. It's Jesus. We've seen him. It means that we don't have to be intimidated. The reason we can be very bold is it's not our message. We didn't formulate this. We didn't go in some back room and cook this up. We proclaim to you Jesus Christ from eternity past. So the thrust of our message is Jesus. We can be very bold as, as Paul said in Romans 1. It's God's gospel. We're, we're okay. messengers of His message. Yeah. I don't come to you with, hey, I have this new idea about what God could be like. Mm. I say, it's your mm. message. Wow. I'm just going to be faithful yeah. to tell other people what it is. Uh-huh. I, can, I can tell for some of y'all, this is like, oh man, that's, this seems so harsh. I can't imagine, like, we do this in love. I'm speaking this like, yeah. put yeah. some steel in your spine. Because yeah. mm-hmm. these men went to... The gallows, they, they they went, they had people, angry mobs with stones Absolutely. in their hand, yeah. ready to launch it out. They just kept preaching. Yeah. That's your family heritage.
1: Ooh, come on. Dang, so
0: those guys, according to uh, what is it, Hebrews twelve, are in a great cloud of witness. It's like they're in an amphitheater watching you. Wow. Wow. That is great. So earlier I mentioned the statistics that demonstrate Gen Z believes that sharing their faith with others is important. Here's the kicker. 53% of Christians in Gen Z believe in, and I quote, letting your actions speak rather than using words to explain your faith to someone. Okay, here's the thing. How many of you have ever heard the famous quote by Francis of Assisi, preach the gospel always and use words if necessary? Y'all heard this quote? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, Paul Wooster, I love this guy, he said... That's a little bit like saying, feed the starving and use food when necessary. Ooh. Ooh. Again, it goes back to the being nice And Nobody's observing, like, yes, our lives should conform to the message that we preach. But it's like, nobody's just observing me being nice and then just throughout osmosis absorbing the gospel. They need a clear articulation oh, that there's a boy. holy God That's That's and we've sinned against him. And the answer is Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Romans 10 says. How can they believe on him whom they've never heard of? Yeah. Yeah, wow. that's right. And how can they hear of them unless somebody preaches it to them? Yeah. Wow. And how will anybody preach it to them unless they're set? you are set to UNC Charlotte? Yes. By yeah. the divine province of God, if you're yeah. a follower that's of Jesus, right. the Bible says he orders the steps of a righteous man, I would say and a woman too, and he has brought you to this place for more than the American dream. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, so, amen.
1: amen. There's more. You're, you're
0: here for more than what you think you're here for. Yes. Yeah. Peter and John, again, they're unschooled, ordinary men. They had no Ph.D. in the New Testament, which I they, they don't want to write it. But here was their qualifier. They had been with Jesus.
1: Yeah.
0: They had been with Jesus. So good. Man, do you know there's an intimacy we love in this yeah, generation? We, intimacy with Jesus. Intimacy is not just for the secret place; it's for the public place. Wow. wow. Yeah. It's not have a quiet time with Jesus in the morning, be intimate and love on Him, and then go out in the public yeah. place and take off your yeah. wedding ring. Oh, yeah. wow. yeah. 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 I'm the only married person in the room. But how weird would this be if it's like I could be intimate with my wife when we're at home, but then I come to meetings on campus dang. and I slip off my wedding ring. <laughs> Wow. That would be wrong. Wow. But a lot of us think that intimacy with Jesus is for the secret place. God, Bible study and reading so prayer. That's so, <laughs> that's so good. But if so, but if I get around other people, it's kinda like I want to like cover up the Jesus thing wow. and not let people know that I'm taken. Whoa. Wow. And that my yes to Jesus meant my no to a thousand other options. Yes. You know that when I was in front of my wife and I said yes to her on our wedding day, wow. I was saying no to, I don't know what, the, like 3.5 billion women on the planet? Oh my
1: gosh.
0: When wow. you say yes to Jesus, wow. I don't know, I, just, I think the population the is like 7 billion, that's why I said that number, it's like half, let's just say it's half, of that. Not that they really well down my door, but you know what I'm saying? Like, your yes to Jesus is your signal to the world that you're bought.
1: That's wow! So yes. And so
0: intimacy with Jesus extends into the public place. Do you not think it's like I love John 11, where it's like after Jesus had finished praying, they said, the "Lord, teach us how to pray." And that's beautiful. Part of their discipleship was learning how to pray. But do you know that after he finished praying, they went out and did a bunch of miracles and preached the gospel to people and cast out demons, and that was part of their being intimate with Jesus too? Wow! wow. There is an intimacy with Jesus to know in the harvest. Mm. Yeah. There's a new side of Jesus' face you can Absolutely. see while you're sharing the gospel with somebody. Yeah. And Jesus would even say, While you're being rejected for your faith yeah. and risking friendships, yeah. there's a new level of intimacy That's with true. Jesus to share in his suffering and bear the reproach of the cross.
1: Yeah.
0: What Paul said to the people in First Corinthians, sorry, I'm just going off tonight. But right? of yeah. well, he's like, Hey, y'all, you, you guys lack no gifts. You're eloquent in speech. You have gifted communicators. And one says, I follow Paul. One says, I follow Apollos. One says, I am of this brand. I am of this brand. He's like, hey, was Christ divided? Mm-hmm. Wow. And he said, say the same thing. You follow the king who was crucified naked on a tree. Mm-hmm. But you don't want to say that because that's embarrassing. Mm-hmm. The Greeks want wisdom and the Jews demand a sign. But Jesus died naked on a tree for you. And that's your leader. Wow. Mm-hmm. Therefore, bear his cross.
1: Yeah.
0: It's like, I like Pastor Stephen. Oh, I like Corey Russell. Oh, I like this brand. I like this brand. It's like, that's all cool. But Jesus.
1: Yeah. 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 And so like, yeah, will we, we
0: bear Jesus when we go out in the public place? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what that means for our reputation as well. Right. Wow. So good. That's really
1: good.
0: Starting in verse 14, it says, But since they could see the man... Who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then confer together. What are we going to do with these men? They asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer in this thing. What was the strategy of those who opposed the Jesus movement in the first century? Killing people. Well, killing people is where it ultimately went, but it started with this. Stop speaking in Jesus' name.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow.
0: The earliest manifestation of the Antichrist spirit was stop speaking in Jesus' name. We don't want this Jesus wow. thing to be spreading. Here's the crazy thing those who opposed the Jesus movement actually had more confidence that if people kept speaking in Jesus' name, it was inevitably going to spread That many Christians do today? Dang. Do you share their same confidence? They said, if we don't stop them, this thing's going to spread. Yes. That's good. Do you have the conviction that if you don't stop speaking in Jesus' name, it's inevitable that it's going to spread? Mm-hmm. Wow. Do you believe that his name is so supercharged with raw power that when you open your mouth and start telling people about Jesus, even if you do it in as an unschooled, ordinary person, mm-hmm. that the raw power of the gospel will touch lives? Yeah. Wow. Jesus said, I love Sean Smith said, that he said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw many men to me. And he basically said, Jesus needs no PR agent.
1: Ooh, <gasps> your
0: job is to lift him up, yeah. to exalt him with your words and with yeah. your lifestyle. And it's the Holy Spirit's job to draw people to Jesus. You don't need to soften any of Jesus' words. Mm -hmm. You don't need to try to explain what he might How You just need to lift Jesus up. And be unashamed in doing so. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. So, have you noticed... Here's the thing, too, that you can talk about spirituality or God in vague, ba- ambiguous terms, yeah. and it ruffles nobody's feathers. Sure. But when you start to specifically talk about and use the name of Jesus, Jesus. Yeah. It's, it it's
1: because
0: yeah. <laughs> that name, there's power in that name. Yeah. Yeah. There is power in the name of Jesus. Right. Ephesians says that when he ascended, he went above every rank and ruler, power and principality, and every name that can be named. I didn't say he just went above. It says he went far above. There is power in the name of Jesus. Starting in verse 18, it says, And they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Number one, the disciples saw preaching in the name of Christ as fulfilling a command they had been given by God. For them, it was a matter of obedience. Who are we supposed to obey? You or Him. He told us to go forth and make disciples. He told us to go forth and preach the gospel. We have to obey Him. Is sharing Jesus a matter of obedience in your life, or a matter of preference? Wow. Wow! Wow. That's so good. But but not only was it something they were commanded to do, they felt compelled to do so. Mm -hmm. The inward movement of their heart, because they had compassion on people, the same compassion that their Lord had, and because they loved Jesus, and they were passionate about Jesus, Move them beyond themselves. They gave them the outward-focused heart of Christ that moved wow. towards people. and said, "We can't help. You could even try to make us stop. We can't." Like it's harder for us not to talk about Jesus than it is for us to talk about Jesus.
1: Yeah. Wow.
0: That's why I was talking about that fire that can't be contained. What if you got hit with such a love for Jesus that it was harder for you not to talk about him mm. than it was like something that you had to force yourself to do? Wow. And I'm not saying I never have moments where it's like I have to like really work up some courage to talk about Jesus or I miss it or I don't get the opportunity to lay up that God gives me. But I'm talking about Holy Spirit boldness falling on your life. And you all know when you find something you really love and care about you get in a new relationship, find a new network, a flick show, a restaurant, or some food that you love to eat, you naturally gossip it. And love for Jesus is supposed to be contagious in that type of way. That we naturally gossip about Him everywhere we go. They could felt compelled to speak about Jesus. they didn't hold back, they had to talk about it. Mm-hmm. They had seen too much, they had heard too much. You're mm-hmm. reading it all the time, from a Met by Love song, it's amazing. Yeah. Because they had been with Jesus, they had to bear witness. Mm-hmm. Consider the words of Jesus to his disciples in Matthew 10, 26-33, he was prophesying, he says, don't be afraid of them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight, what is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roots. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside of your father's care. Basically, he's saying something worth half a penny, something every one of us can walk by without paying any notice to. When even one of those hits the ground, your father is aware of it. Wow. How much he cares for you. And even the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid, you're worth more than many sparrows. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Awesome. Jesus had also said in Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when yeah. the Holy Spirit comes yeah. on you, and you will be my witnesses. Yeah. The direct connection between Jesus, between a spirit-empowered, spirit-filled life, the next logical step is that you're going to bear witness. And that's exactly what we read about in the book of Acts and the history of the early churches. Everywhere you find disciples and followers of Jesus, they're bearing witness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Brought before the lame beggar in Acts chapter 3, they say, we don't have two coins to rub together, but we'll give you what we have. In the name of Jesus Christ, be healed. Wow. Brought before the Sanhedrin, the religious leader of the day, they bear witness. Released from prison, they bear witness again in the temple, the same place they were arrested just days mm-hmm. before. Stephen brought before an angry mob, the first martyr of the church, ready to stone him, drag him outside the city gate. He bears witness. Put in prison, they bear witness to their jailers. In the marketplace, in the academic halls, in the synagogues, from home to home, everywhere you find disciples. Scattered by persecution Wednesday, they went about preaching the gospel in every town they were dispersed to. Everywhere you find disciples, in the pages of the New Testament, they are bearing witness to. I want you to consider Who told you to stop speaking the name of Jesus? Wow. Wow. Come on. If you were one of those people who silently when I started talking about evangelism, you were questioning whether it's appropriate to share your faith, where'd that idea come from? Mm-hmm. Wow. I, th- I think it's clear. I said I was gonna come after that. I'm not coming after on something like I got a bone to pick or some personal agenda. And that's not a biblical condition. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not seen in the life of Jesus and it's clearly not seen in the life of his earliest followers. it's not from the Holy Spirit, because when the Holy Spirit comes, you'll be my witnesses. Yeah, yeah. That's right. it's so good. Here's my exhortation to you. Don't stop speaking in the name of Jesus. Yeah. If you got nothing else out of tonight, I know I kind of just went off and started preaching the gospel. And... Yeah. Don't stop speaking in the name of Jesus. Yeah. Some of you just need to hear it again. Don't stop telling people about Jesus. Jesus. Don't start silencing yourself and speaking about Jesus. Mm. Stop saying no for other people. Wow! Wow. Wow. Stop assuming they don't want to hear it. Mm -hmm. Stop thinking they'll find peace or healing or comfort or whatever they're looking for, satisfaction anywhere else because they're not going to.
1: Stop believing that lie.
0: Don't stop speaking in the name of Jesus. I like to do this thought experiment. If if 20 years from now the government were to say, hey, we have state-sanctioned churches, I don't care what names on your your building, Vision Elevation, Refuge, whatever, New Song, as long as you're inside the building, you can do whatever you want. You can praise Jesus as loud as you want, you can dance, you can preach, you can literally say whatever you want, we won't moderate it. But don't proselytize outside the church. Don't evangelize outside the church. Don't, don't go public with your witness. We'll slap a fine or imprison you or, or we'll persecute you. Here, here's the question in that thought experiment Would anything in your life or the life of the average believer actually change if that happened?
1: Mm. Or
0: is all of your religious activity confined to your home and to the place where you worship? Wow. Would such a sanction shut you down in any way? When you read about where the church is being persecuted, it's like they've made a mental checklist of things they will not part with. They will not part with God's word. They will not part with prayer. They will not part with public gatherings. And they won't part with sharing the gospel. You have to settle for yourself in a season where there's no persecution. What are you unwilling to lay down on? Mm -hmm. And I would say that sharing your faith should be one of those things that even in persecution you're not willing to lay down. But it's been said before, don't give up. In comfort and freedom while others were unwilling to give up in persecution. Mm.
1: Mm. Wow. Do
0: not give up in comfort and freedom while others were unwilling to give up in persecution. Mm. If if you would feel threatened in that day, like some type of freedom was threatened on that day, don't, don't not use it now. Paul said from prison, the gospel cannot be changed. But often we put the gospel in a box and we've out a church yep. and we voluntarily contain the fire. Mm-hmm. Paul said from prison where he was there not because he was doing cars but because he was preaching the gospel. The gospel can't be changed. It can't be stopped.
1: Mm.
0: Let's not let the gospel be contained to the four walls of this room. You know? yeah. mm-hmm. I'm going to finish these last ten verses and we're going to wrap it up. It says, After further threats, they let them go. After further threats, they let them go. They couldn't have how to punish them because all the people <clears throat> were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. And on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported to all the chief priests and elders that said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the seas and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and his anointed one. I want to real quick pause here. This is like one of the most significant Psalms. Psalm chapter 2 is what they're quoting here. This happened at the time of Jesus' crucifixion. It's going to happen again at the end of the age. The question is, why are all the leaders of the nations conspiring together? And basically what they ask is, let's shake off the shackles of the Lord's change. It's like, let's free ourselves from the restrictions that God's put on us. Because we believe that freedom means that we get to do whatever we want to do. Andy Bird also said, that means that you're a slave to sin. That's actually not freedom. Ooh, but he who's, if you keep reading that song, it says, he who sits in heaven laughs or he stops.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's a scary, divine laughter. He sees like all that. the nations drawing up their battle lines and basically saying, let's overthrow God and his son. And the Lord says, I've appointed my king, Jesus, on my holy hill in Zion. He will rule the nations. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and he goes on saying, ask me for the nations their your inheritance, and I will give them to you. Wow. And there's an invitation that comes after that come bow down and kiss the sun. And and what I want to call you to is that rage. Be aware that you have to hear the insanity. I love poor Russell. Feel the insanity of that question. Why? Why are the nations raging? What do they think they're actually accomplishing? By drawing up battle plans against God. And you see that spirit animating your generation. It's like, we want to get free. I want this whole religious mumbo-jumbo and God's restraints and his definitions of morality and what's right and what's wrong. We want to be free. And it's like what they're really doing is binding themselves to sin and the grave. And God just looks at the, the foolishness of humanity, the same condition throughout the ages, and he says, I've sent my king whole will It happened at the cross. Jesus overthrew them through his death and his resurrection. Yeah. It'll happen again at the end of the age. Yeah. So I want to say, in wisdom, align yourself with Christ.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Mm-hmm. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God. The this is right on the heels of them getting released from prison. Their, one of their first prayer requests is like, exalt Jesus and give us the courage to speak boldly again. Wow. And then that's exactly what they did. Here's what I want to say to you. When we pray to God, we should expect the answers to our prayers. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes the answer to our prayers will come as we move in faith. Mm-hmm. Good. So, it's like, as I'm stepping, believing that the prayer's already been answered, all of a sudden it's like, Peter, sure, join me on the water. It's not until he steps out on the, yeah, the water, yeah. right? Yeah. I want to tell you that some of you are waiting for goosebumps to make you bold. And what you actually need to do is open your mouth and find wow. the boldness. <laughs> Some of the shyest, most introverted people mm-hmm, yeah. who don't like social stuff, whatever, they get around a company of people who are doing bold evangelism, literally street preaching sometimes, right. and they, they start with butterflies in their stomach, and they just take that tiny step, and they yeah. open their mouth, yeah. and all of a sudden, the butterflies get replaced with boldness, yeah. and almost every single one of those people that I've seen do that, afterwards they say, I feel fully alive. Yeah.
1: Yes.
0: Start with butterflies, open your mouth fully alive. Wow. The first three letters of activate are act. Sometimes you have to act <laughs> in faith that God has already heard and answered your prayer. Therefore, yes. live in accordance or with yeah, yes. I, I've been literally a part of all night prayer meetings refuge people. Sorry, you, you, some of y'all were in these meetings too. Where people are crying out for boldness. And then three weeks would go by and no plan to go share the gospel would be made. I'm not judging people at the refuge. I was a part of those prayer meetings too. But the, here's the question. It's like God, should we not believe that that prayer was answered when it went up to heaven? And therefore now what we need to do is make a plan to go out as a group and do what we've asked God to do. Or are we just waiting for, like, I haven't had this experience yet. Like, where the Holy Spirit fills us like robots and then just, like, carries us. You know what I mean? Like, He gives us the impulse. He gives us the invitation. He encourages us. He empowers us. But He still tells us to get up and move at His invitation. And then he, he, He makes clear that when you stand up to do this, I'll be with you. Yeah. It's like this. The Holy Spirit, as I said at the beginning, loves to bear witness to Jesus. So this is what it sounds like. You say Jesus heals, and the Holy Spirit says, yes. You say Jesus saves, and the Holy Spirit is like, I endorse that message. Yeah. You say Jesus is Lord of heaven and earth, and the Holy Spirit stands up inside of you and you say, yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The Holy Spirit loves to bear witness to Jesus. So when you start saying the truth about who Jesus is, Holy Spirit will rise up in you and endorse that message because it's true. It's his favorite subject. Holy Spirit loves Jesus. So when you speak the name of Jesus as ordinary, unschooled people, I believe the Holy Spirit will descend on that message. Sometimes it's not until we put ourselves in a situation where boldness is required that we experience, I want to say this, the resident, the already dwelling inside of you anointing on our lives in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. I want to end by just sharing a testimony video with you guys. Bradley's going to put it up.